Welcome to the show, How Do You Wear Your Hats, an original podcast written and hosted by me, Riley Steinauer. In the show, I will be getting into topics of leaders, managing their roles, and the skills or lessons that these leaders acquire while learning how to manage and balance the switching on and off of the hats they wear. The goal of this podcast is to help listeners who want to educate themselves on how to be a better leader and further develop their leadership skills by looking in on the lives of some leaders that shared their experiences with me in interviews for this show. From my extensive research on the internet and throughout databases to find out as much information as I can about leaders balancing their roles and wearing a variety of hats, I found that if you are someone doing this same type of research for self-education purposes, you most likely are going to run into a lot of walls of redundancy and less than satisfactory hard examples and evidence. Another goal of this podcast is to provide real life examples from leaders on what they have been through in their leading, mentoring, teaching, or coaching, and how they balance the roles within their positions. This is episode one of season one of the show. Each episode will focus on a leader in a specific industry, Each is different from one another, but certainly has a lot of overlap and similarities as well. I am meeting here with Matt Wills and Cliff Simmons. Matt, could you tell me about yourself? Yeah, thanks for uh, having us here today, Riley. Happy to be here with you. Thank you. Um, So my name is Matt Wills. I graduated from the University of Michigan with a business degree in 2015. I went on to work in investment banking in New York City. I did that for two years, and then I moved on and worked in private equity for four and a half years, where I focused on leading um, the execution of new acquisitions at 10x Capital Management, and then assisted our portfolio companies in crafting and executing on our various strategic plans. And then more recently, I left to co-found Compound Technologies, which is an enterprise software business. Very cool. And how about you, Cliff? Tell me about yourself. All right. Well, I am from Connecticut. I grew up with Matt, actually. We were best friends uh, since high school and have been ever since. And then uh, from my undergrad, I went to Duke, um, graduated in 2014, uh, and my first job right out of school was uh, working at Google in San Francisco. So I moved to California um, and worked at Google for just about six years in a few different capacities, but all all of which were client-facing where we would work with advertisers on, on optimizing their, their buys um, and sort of consulting them on their overall growth strategy. And then most recently, I left left Google and moved to Los Angeles um, two years ago to to be head of growth at a startup called Ready that provides at-home medical visits um, for patients of any insurance type. So um, oversaw all the customer acquisition and all um, all the consumer business for Ready um, and operations for just about two years. Um, and I left I left Ready a couple months ago to think about the next step. So when I asked Matt to walk me through a day in his shoes as a manager. This is what he shared with me. Yeah, so I will split it into two roles. At my at my prior job, I was both focused at analyzing new companies for us to invest in, mm-hmm. which is a totally different skill set versus being 
in an operational role, which I spent the other half of my time on, uh-huh. which is more focused on working with uh, middle managers and C-suite executives at the companies we already own. Mm-hmm. So half my day I'd usually spend talking to lawyers, bankers, trying to manage various professionals that were helping us to analyze uh, which new businesses we wanted to invest in. So much more analytical job, a lot of reading, a lot of math to uh, understand what kind of investment returns we could expect. And then the other half of my time was more so focused on uh, project managing uh, and leading various people at our companies around executing on various projects we were working on. So it, it could really vary a lot day to day. Then I asked Cliff how he balanced his various roles throughout his day in his line of work. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll talk about the Ready experience. Uh-huh. So I joined, joined as head of growth at Ready, which basically means overseeing the marketing department and then, in my case, the, the customer operations department. Um, it started off smaller, right? So we started off mm-hmm. just in New Orleans and Vegas as flagship markets. company was worth $7 million, had about 20 employees. So I was mostly focused on paid customer acquisition, so digital digital advertising, other advertising. That was my main focus with a little bit of helping out on legal, helping out in the call center because everybody kind of wears a lot of hats in the beginning. Um, I learned learned a ton doing that, especially collaborating with legal, collaborating with basically every other department, um, especially operations when we would send Mm -hmm. people to people's homes. And then when COVID hit, it, it it grew super rapidly. Um, you know, we, a lot of people got fired, to be totally honest. A lot of people got hired. Um, and suddenly, a year later, we had about 500 employees, and, and the company's, you know, valued at $360 million. Wow. Um, and I'm sort of a young guy overseeing this department of 80 people. So I was a little bit um, – I was basically biting off more than I, thought that I could <laughs> chew, than I thought that I could chew, for sure. But uh, I bring that up as an example of saying I no longer was focused on just the paid advertising or the running these digital marketing campaigns, right? right? But rather overseeing diverse teams like the call centers, um, the paid marketing, the the brand marketing, et cetera. So big learning experience. So when so with that learning curve, did you? So in the beginning, right? It was probably more of a conscious effort for you to balance those roles when you were working with all those different departments, do you feel like now it's become more subconscious as like a routine or is it still something you work, you work with like developing? I think at first, when I first got in there, I was so gung ho on proving to our CEO that I could do everything and I could wear a bunch of hats. Yeah. Um, but I ended up in some cases doing a B plus type of work on certain fields that really necessitated a level work in yeah. order to get the job done. So what I realized is like, you know, instead of instead of trying to prove that I can do a hundred things at once, take a step back, be thoughtful about it, like you said. And I think I learned that, and I learned to tell them, look, I can do, I can keep focusing on X, Y, and Z, but I need to hire the right people to help handle that and delegate that for me because I'm only one person, mm-hmm. and, and time's the most important resource. So, this information from Cliff gets us into the discussion of only being one person, as Cliff puts it but trying to prove that you can wear all the hats and get it done by depending on just yourself. This is a dangerous mentality as a leader because the reality is when you are wearing too many hats, you really are spreading yourself too thin. In a Forbes article titled Six Ways to Help People Succeed When They're Wearing Multiple Hats, T. Brower, the author, discusses six different leadership roles that are recommended to leaders trying to balance all of their hats. These six are 
be fair and being multidisciplinary, create clearly differentiated roles with a sense of why, ensure the fulfilling purpose of the role is clear, avoid roles that conflict, consider team relationships where leadership is emergent, and provide a source of learning and skill development. The article aims to provide information on the balance of interdisciplinary leadership so that there are challenges to grow within a role and trade off to another without facing overwhelm or spreading yourself too thin. Cliff touches upon a time when he was faced with overwhelm from this very scenario. Then I turned to Matt and asked him about which of his roles that he has found he has become better at than others. This is what he had to say. Yeah, it's a good question. So I'd say that I am very, um, my greatest strength is an intense sense of curiosity. Okay. So I think in order, I, I know the scope of our conversation here is around leadership. I think any good leader needs to be ferociously curious. Mm-hmm. And before they design a strategy around how you solve a business problem, I think it's really, really important to first be a really good listener. Yeah. And talk to everyone who is closest to a problem and collecting as much data as you can. Ask questions. Yeah, ask as many questions as possible and ask why at least five times when somebody gives you their first gut reaction on why they think uh, they understand the root cause of a problem. So I've seen some some managers do it the wrong way uh, where they think because of their rank and experience uh, they're able to come in with what they believe to be a solution to something, but without an appreciation for what lurks beneath the surface. Mm-hmm. And it can, it can get you into two problems. One, uh, you're applying the wrong solution to the problem. And two, you lose the trust of the people yes. that you're managing because their voice hasn't been heard. Mm-hmm. So I think that's my greatest strength is understanding that you first have to listen uh, before you develop an opinion on the direction a team should move in. This example is a great one for people wanting to learn more about how to balance their hats in time of conflict. What is really valuable about what Matt shared with me was his honesty about admitting that he had initially reacted emotionally upon discovering some significant news about his coworker who was also a close friend of his. This conflict of interest is something that a lot of leaders or managers may face in their careers because of the trust that is built between coworkers that spend a lot of their time together. However, Matt pointed out that the real value of this trust is in the partnership of the business owner and the executives that need to make the best decisions for the greater good of the company. I asked Matt to share a specific example of a time that he had to wear a hat that he struggled with to balance. But um, we had at one of our companies a chief operating officer who I was very close with and my colleagues at the private equity owner. We were were, um, really pleased with their progress Mm -hmm. uh, after installing that executive at the company. And it was to my surprise that, um, you know, when the CEO came to me and effectively um, had the desire to remove this person. And so I'd say I initially had a very emotional reaction to that. Ah. And behind the scenes with my colleagues, um, 
voiced very emphatically that I disagreed with this opinion. Uh, but I had not collected all the information yet to understand why the CEO might have that opinion. And so um, a really good piece of advice that was given to me by someone who was more senior than me at my firm was we said, okay, well, let's use a data-driven approach to collect all the facts on this person yeah. before a decision is made. So we interviewed everyone that this person touched, and we got a really good sense of what their strengths were, what their weaknesses were, and whether or not they were getting the job done that we hired them for. And although I was so close to this person, uh, I was so close that I was kind of blinded by the other perspectives people had. And although I had really positive interactions with this person, I thought they were really moving the ball in the right direction. They didn't have the trust of their direct reports and the other managers that worked around them. And we ultimately decided that, hey, it might be a short-term bad decision to take this person out of the company who's making a, uh, who's creating a lot of great results. But for the benefit of building um, trust in the other managers and the CEO that we're working with, trust around the partnership between us as the owner and them as the um, executive team in the business, we, we um, decided to end up siding with that CEO and removing that person after we collected all of uh, – the data and feedback mm-hmm. on the people that work with that individual. This example is a great one for people wanting to learn more about how to balance their hats in time of conflict. What is really valuable about what Matt shared with me was his honesty about admitting that he had initially reacted emotionally upon discovering some significant news about his coworker who was also a close friend of his. This conflict of interest is something that a lot of leaders or managers may face in their careers because of the trust that is built between coworkers that spend a lot of their time together. However, Matt pointed out that the real value of this trust is in the partnership of the business owner and the executives that need to make the best decisions for the greater good of the company. I turned to Cliff for an example of a piece of advice he found valuable from a leader in his life that has helped him in his career moving forward. He spoke about his former boss, the CEO of Ready. This is what he shared with me. Yeah, I think that a few examples come to mind, but I think the most relevant one was my CEO that hired me at Ready. Um, oh. He's he is a multiple time founder, so he's sort of uh, you know a serial entrepreneur type that loves starting companies. So he had he had been in this situation obviously many more times than I had in terms of starting a company from the ground up yes. and starting to hire people slowly but surely uh-huh. in particular agencies. Um, one lesson I took from him it's a little bit of a, sort of a, a shrewd businessman type mentality, but particularly with agencies, so any entity that you're partnering with. That's not internal, so let's take our company. Let's say it was a marketing agency. Let's say it was an agency that we were outsourcing our entire call center to. Is that, you know, when you first meet them and interact with them, they're going to be nice to these, obviously, and you want to get along, but you need to be very, very, very clear and very loud, like metaphorically speaking, upfront about what your goals and expectations are. Um, because I think far too often you'll sort of just jump into bed, again, with another 
um, entity that's not part of your internal company. Let's mm-hmm. say an agency, for example, and you might just trust them because of the sales pitch. Um, it rarely works out unless you're super, super clear. What are your KPIs? When do you expect them to start getting hit? And if you don't, what does that mean for your relationship with them? The sooner you can get louder and very transparent with them about that, um, I think the better it's going to be for both you know, parties in that relationship. So kind of a specific example, um, but that's one that came to mind right away about a lesson that he always preached to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is for either of you just to wrap it up, but do either of you have how to time or can think of either in the past or recently when you've had, you've been really challenged managing your your kind of your role or your hat so to say so a time that you were like maybe it was a conflict or maybe it was just a um, matter of which hat do I use in this scenario to wrap up our interview I asked either of them to share with me their own thoughts or experience of how they would advise someone to balance their managerial roles. This is what Matt had to share. When I think about like the different hats you have to wear if you're in any leadership role, mm. um, right? Machiavelli always had that famous quote, um, you know, it's better to be feared than loved if you can't be both. Yeah. And I think I've always, as a younger person, it's always been easier to go the tax of being, um, yeah, yeah, the person that people can trust, being a good ear uh, for for people to go to. Yeah. Um, but I think you learn quickly that you have to be skilled in uh, both the good cop and the bad cop role as a leader. Um, there are oftentimes there's only so much you can do in trying to get people motivated behind like uh, a mission and a greater goal. So I think it's, it's, that's, that's been one of the tougher things for me. And it's something I continue to try to work on is understanding when to use, um, you know, the quote, you know, to use the, the, the Machiavellian um, phrasing of it, when to use love versus fear to get uh, mm-hmm. people uh, moving in the right direction. Yeah. I would second that. I think it's a huge deal that piece. Your question initially might have been about wearing different hats and different white roles in department. I'm not sure what it was, but that's, I think, a really good point I would echo is what hat are you wearing? Are you wearing your manager hat? Are you, are you, you know, are you wearing your employee hat? Are you wearing the nice guy hat? Are you wearing the hard ass hat? Like, mm-hmm. there are different scenarios, um, depending on different relationships, different times in, in your business career where you need to understand when to wear which hat. Yeah. And how to do it. I think it's a really important point. Very interesting. I really like where this In an article from Center for Creative Leadership titled, The Four Leadership Roles a Successful Professional Must Play, that puts the emphasis on a leader's ability to play each role, as well as select the right hat to put on for the right situation is discussed. The article also includes pie charts to just demonstrate what it looks like when you take a step back and examine how they split up their roles. For leading leaders, the chart shows one-third of the time being a leader and another third of the time being a coach. Then the last third is split up into one part as a manager and one part as a player. Cliff's questions of, are you wearing the manager hat? Are you wearing the employee hat? Are you wearing the nice guy hat? Or are you wearing the hard-ass hat? Adjust what the article is particularly interested in.
a big takeaway from Cliff's message is that there are different scenarios where different hats are more appropriate. And it takes a certain level of practice to learn when and where to transition when you are working in those professional relationships. And that is it for season one, episode one of How Do You Wear Your Hats? I hope that this interview with two young professionals that discuss what they have learned from their ever-evolving careers helps those of you listeners that feel like you wish you could sit down with the leader and get their perspective on the things that you are trying to develop for your own skill set. I'd like to say a big thank you to Cliff Simmons and Matt Wales for sitting down with me for this interview and sharing their words and thoughts with us. I'd also like to thank you, the listener, for sticking with us throughout this first episode. Make sure to check back next week for episode two. Thank you.